1: From Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter at mattjonestfr. Uh, and if you caught the episode with Eric earlier in the week, uh, you this format should be pretty familiar. But I wanted to uh, to pick the brain of uh, some more smart uh, some more smart golf betting people, and who better to go to than the man known as Smart Golf Bets himself, Mike Miller? Uh, you can check out his site, greensquare.gov. Golf. Uh, it's sort of like a you know, I, I guess a, a one-stop shop uh, for basically any golf event, any tour uh, that you could possibly think of. Um, so, Mike, thanks for thanks for coming on today. How we doing?
2: Hey, thanks, Matt. All good. Sitting in the dark out here, so apologies for the
1: uh, lighting effects. Oh no, no worries at all, man. East um, Africa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's what eight around eight o'clock your time right now? Yeah. Yeah, so we I I'm hopping on for a rare afternoon show. Uh and uh we we're I think you're my first uh not first international guest, but definitely uh first non-North American guest. We we've had a, a few Canadians on the show before, but uh but never anybody uh, across any oceans or anything.
2: Oh, I'm very honored. I mean, Canadians <laughs> are just uh Americans anyway, aren't
1: they? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I it was funny before because I was thinking, I was like, oh, it's my first international guest. And then I was like, oh no, we've had we've had Pat, we've had Feinberg on here, we've had uh Eric the other day. So uh why don't you uh why don't you tell me a little bit more about the site? You just launched uh launched the site this year, correct? Yeah, it
2: really uh just formalized and uh is right. monetizing what I've done for eight or nine years, which is effectively uh putting out form sheets on any golf uh, that there's betting on.
1: Yeah, and it's uh you. Uh, we'll we'll dive in a little bit uh to you know to your uh your process as we go through this. Um, but just to just to start off, how did you how did you get in into golf? Are you do you consider yourself you know a, a golf fan that bets or a better that uh you know puts money on golf?
2: Oh, well, I got into it as an eight-year-old uh, thanks to my grandfather. He cobbled together uh, half a dozen clubs cut him down, and uh, gave me a little bit of coaching, and I was pretty much much hooked uh, from that moment on. Um, and a year or two later, he took me to a, uh, it's like a, they called them the big three, Nicholas Palmer player, mm-hmm. came to New Zealand, so they were playing at his club course in uh, Paraparan Beach in New Zealand. He took me along, I queued for 40 minutes, and got Arnie's uh, autograph. Uh and uh, he was like a god at that point. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I was hooked. Um, betting, I didn't have a golf bet until 1993. And that also got me hooked in a sense because a friend of mine had a betting account, which was a new thing for us. So I was living in New Zealand. He said, Do you want me to put a bet on for where The Masters is coming up. <clears throat> I said, yeah, give me 50 bucks on uh, Bernard Langer. He was paying uh, 50 to one. And he won, so I, tu- I turned fifty bucks into twenty five hundred and thought I was a betting god. But yeah, I was hooked. Uh, I was hooked from that point on. So, uh, a player, um, uh, a fan, um, but but essentially for the past twenty or so years, it's really just been all about betting.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, uh, you know that that sort of uh, you know stick with this uh, sort sort of have a similar story right the whether it's uh you know one one big hit right in the beginning of your betting career uh can definitely can definitely give you that give you the bug and uh and it's interesting you know if if that bet goes the other way you know do you do you stick with this or do you say ah, oh, i just i you know i just blew 50 bucks let me uh let me not do this anymore <laughs> yeah exactly
2: but, um, you know, I did spend quite a lot of time betting on horse racing uh, and subsequently betting on uh, on soccer and football. Um, but at the same time, I was working at a fairly senior level or as a consultant to um, gambling businesses, so I saw a lot of stuff from the inside. Right. And um, I was really struggling to make enough money, particularly at soccer, which I did full-time for 18 months. I was making about three grand a month back around 2000. But I was working about sixteen, eighteen hours a day to do it. <laughs> so, uh, decided to get a real job for a while and uh, and uh, just bet on golf.
1: And I, I mean, I guess uh, no, nobody could really argue that that uh, that, that didn't work out uh, pretty pretty well for you so far. Um, so it's you know, talk me through. You know, obviously, you have all of these uh, all the stats, um, and you you track uh, you track form for, uh, an insane amount of, of golfers on your site. Um, what I, I asked the same question to Eric, uh, Patterson in the beginning of the week. So I, I always think of, you know, betters or, uh, gamblers in general as like sort of a spectrum, right? You have, you have the guys on one side that are just totally 100% numbers based, um, you know, maybe they don't, maybe they don't even watch the sport that they're, that they're betting on. And then you have the total opposite, you know, the feel guys, the, the guys who just watch don't really pay much attention to any of the numbers. Um, obviously, uh, I think the best betters probably have a little bit of both in them. Uh, but, but how would you describe the way that you, uh, you know, the way that you figure out, like, where, where are you going, uh, you know, for a given bet?
2: Well, I mean, for me, I'm a hundred percent numbers, um, but probably not the numbers that people would necessarily expect, um, because I don't uh, refer to or use uh, shot statistics. Uh, the number for me oh. is uh, is a form number. Um, so, in a numerical sense, uh, no shot stats, um, but form and. The secondary reason for that uh, is that form is universally available. It doesn't matter if we're looking at the Sunshine Tour in South Africa or an Asian tour event in Thailand or a Japanese tour event, whatever. Um, I was looking for a process where I could I could do what I want to do based simply on form. Right. Um, And that form is overlaid with some algorithms that I developed over the years. to adjust for strength of field, uh, for course relevance, uh, and to age the form. So a simple form number from last week, say 22. You know, a guy on the PGA Tour finishes 22nd. For me, that contains, it's profound. It contains the player um, himself, emotionally and physically, which the statistics don't reflect. Right. Uh, right. It shows all of his shots over four days, um, the course, the weather, and also relative to his 155 uh, opponents. Um, so for better or worse, I've issued the uh, the statistical track uh, in favour of a method that allows me to work through a golf field uh, where all I need is form. Right. right. Um, so that's in a nutshell.
1: You know, and I I think that makes a ton of sense. I think we, uh, you know, as a, sort of as a community, I think we, um, can get a little lost in the sauce, uh, and, and get a little too micro, uh, at times. And typically that means that you're, that you're overthinking things and probably missing the bigger picture, uh, which was a, a similar, sort of a similar theme to what, uh, Eric was talking about. Eric Patterson was talking about in the beginning of the week. So it's uh it it's definitely nice to hear that. I want to remind you guys about our sponsor DealDash. Have you ever heard of dealdash.com? It's the best most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction. But every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just ten seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has ten seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra one hundred free bids upon sign up, on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com, use the offer code Rotoviz. Or deal dash dot fm slash rotoviz. That's D E A L D A S H dot fm slash rotoviz. The other site I want to remind you guys about is Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. With the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. So let's say, you know, it's it's Monday morning, uh, the outright market gets posted or, you know, copy and pasted, as, as you like to say. Um, um, what, what does your process look like from the time that the odd, first odds get posted to when you click on a bet?
2: OK, well, I should preface my comments by saying that my work on a field starts um, the week before tournament week. It um, varies by tour, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, um, you can get your hands on the bulk of the final field. Right. Um, so I'm setting that field up in my database as soon as it's available. European tour, maybe uh, Tuesday, the week before. Um, Japan or Korea, maybe Thursday, Friday. Um, all the PGA tours come out Friday afternoon. Right. Uh, so I plug all of those players into my database. Um, and i then refer to two things which we reflect on uh green square for example um and those are the the tournament history and the people who have placed in that tournament Mm -hmm. so i try and just get a mental picture of um what uh what the tournament is all about you know if i see guys who have won it like um Bryson, DJ, Rory, I'm immediately thinking in my mind, maybe this track uh, uh, needs quality players or maybe it needs long drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just trying to paint a mental picture of the tournament. And then I, uh, I run my software. Excuse me, there's a truck just pulled up outside. <laughs> no worries. Um, no worries. <clears throat> I run my software on that field and that produces uh, a set of odds. Um, just raw straight out of the database uh, there's a bunch of things that feed into it obviously form uh, but also world golf rankings and so on um, so that's my raw set of numbers and then as soon as the markets open I import one or two sets of bookmaker prices and line them up alongside mine and then I run through the entire field and try and explain the differences to myself I rate a guy 40 to one, the bookmakers have him 80. Are they insane or was I wrong? Um, And it goes both ways. Sometimes I decide in the end that the bookmakers have priced the guy wrong. Uh, Sometimes I've decided that uh, my software has been a bit overambitious, and I'll tweak the price closer to the market. Um, So in the end, I finish up with uh, uh, my own set of prices, and uh, in the course of doing that, I've narrowed the field down from 156 or 144 uh, down to two or six or 12 players, um, and those those players are my focus for the uh, for the betting week ahead. If I if I was a fantasy player, um, I'd probably be working out salaries instead of um, instead of odds, right? <clears throat> and probably trying to predict. Um, uh, ownership levels um, but for me as a pure better um, I'm just looking for value in the prices and I'm looking at uh, I don't want to get too technical here but um, I effectively attach a, a win probability to every player which is which is sort of what a price is right so if I rate a guy 50 to one and the market is 70 to one that's about a half a percent difference in probability or the difference between 28 to 1 and 33 to 1, or the difference between 175 to 1 and 1,000 to 1. Um, below that differential, I'm not interested at all. Um, but if I rate a player 33 to 1 and the bookmaker's open 66 to 1, um, I'm very interested. Right. Okay. So that, that's essentially the process. Uh, I I do my own prices, and, and I think it's important uh, for serious uh, betters to do that.
1: You yeah, know, I, I think that that's, I, I think that you would probably uh, find a lot of people um, generally doing that. I, I have a slightly different process in that, um, or I, I would imagine it's a little bit of a different process for, uh, you know, for for the DraftKings stuff, the fantasy DFS side of things. But, um, you know, I I actually predict what I think their price should be. Uh, salary wise. So I definitely, uh, I, I like hearing you say that cause that makes me feel like maybe I'm on the right, on the right track here. Um, how, how do you view, uh, I, I didn't throw this on the show sheet, but just hearing you talk about it a little bit, what, where do you sort of like draw the line where, uh, you know, uh, as far as like longer term form, where do you just say, this is no, this is no longer relevant. Is there like a, a strict cutoff or it does it sort of vary?
2: Well, it's written into my software and it doesn't look at anything older than two years. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit like the official world golf rankings in that respect and right. the, the, the form is aged over a two-year period. So a, a form data point from one and a half years ago might only count for 15% of the value of a form data point from last week or three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's yeah, important. Okay. I think that um, that's that's definitely a difficult balance to strike, right? When you get these guys, like the you know the Morikawas and the and the Hovlands and the Wolves of the world that just like burst out onto the scene, um, ha- have you found that these these young guys that get started uh, like super hot? Have you found that there's um, a bit of a lag where maybe you you aren't able to catch up right away, or is that something that you kind of manually go in and say oh you know what i i know x y and z about this guy so i think that i need to you know tweak the price that i'm giving them
2: um yeah it is it is difficult with those guys coming through but um the the results that i record in my database include lower level tours and all of the significant amateur events from around the world so perhaps to some extent they're not as much of a a big surprise to me as they would be to just the regular uh, recreational bettors. Right. Um, But by the same token, I tend to ignore them completely for quite a number of months in terms of investing my own money. Um, You know, a lot of commentators and so on are looking for the next Tiger Woods and, and the next superstar. And these names get bandied around all the time and their prices are generally a little bit too short as a result. Right. Um, So I just tend to ignore them and just treat them neutrally. If the market is 33 to one, I'll say to myself, okay, I'll make that guy 33 to one in my model and ignore
1: him. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. That's something that I've, that I've sort of, uh, bounced around and, and struggled with. Um, so yeah, that's, it's interesting to, uh, to see these guys just sort of, uh, you know, pop onto the scene, uh, like you said, to, to the more casual fans. um, And just, you know, just see them like Morikawa winning a couple tournaments right in the beginning of his career uh, seems to set him on a pretty, pretty good trajectory. But who knows, uh, you know, longer term what we'll actually see from him. Um, So you've talked a little bit uh, mostly about outright so far. What um, we can do a little uh, a little experiment here, a little game of, of fuck, marry, kill so we have head to heads <laughs> we have outrights and we have t20s um and you could you could sort of include you know top 10s and top 5s uh with the top 20s if you'd like but what a, are are you most interested in outrights and and like do you i don't know do you, do you price out head to heads do you, like how do you how do you treat the other markets
2: um outrights is my main interest um because i'm looking Uh, I'm looking to try and kill the bookmaker each week. Um, It's hard to do that with um, even money bets uh, on head-to-head. My software does produce head-to-head prices, but they're just derived from the respective win prices of the players. Um, But as I say, you know, even if I put five of them or ten of them together in a parlay, uh, it's not nearly as attractive to me as backing a winner or having a couple of... um, Guys at long odds who place um, crossed in a uh, in a double. Mate. So head to heads, I ignore. Um, the only advice I would give to people is um, is if if you're going to invest in that, uh, spend more money on 72 hole head to heads than 18, because if you've done an assessment of the field, uh, the chances are your assessment will play out closer to what you expected over 72 holes, whereas there's so much variance over just 18, um, you know, I would never have an 18 hole match bet uh, ever. (laughs) And and I would
1: never parlay them either. Yeah. That's a, Uh, that's a lesson that I've definitely learned the hard way in, uh, in starting, you know, really getting into the golf betting. Um, I, you know, I obviously track everything, every bet that I place and just, just watching that, that ROI just go down and down and down <laughs> <I> was, was, <laughs> was quite frustrating. So uh, yeah, I've, I've completely given up on, on uh, round head to heads and even three balls, uh, you know, for the round, just it, maybe there's somebody out there that could figure it out, but I haven't figured, I haven't been able to find a, find a way. Um, so what, what about, you know, the, the top 20 you know, you can, you can get some decent prices for like top fives and top tens. Um, is that, do, do those entice you at all? Um, ha, like, how do you treat that market?
2: Um, it interests me. Um, I don't have enough time each week to, to really devote to it. Um, but what I do do occasionally is uh, I have a, I have a top 10 module in my software. So I occasionally run a top 10 market. Um. The, the way that bookmakers operate these days is they have um, a lot of automation. Um, and in outright markets, the one where they can really get their asses handed to them is, uh, is the outright win market. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody's generally going to kill them <clears throat> on place betting because the prices are so much lower, obviously. Right. Um, but what bookmakers tend to do is, is take the win price and then apply a little simple algorithm to it to derive their top five, top 10, top 20, top 40 prices. So from my point of view, if their win price is a little bit wrong, um, their place price will be a little bit wrong. Right. Um, right. And then you overlay that with the fact that there are players who place quite a bit who don't win. Um, maybe a Tony Finau, um, there, yeah. there are a lot of guys yeah. like yeah. that. He's probably the topical one this week. Yes. Uh, But there are are a lot of guys whose place probability is completely unrelated to their win probability. Um, But we have all these bookmakers uh, just churning out their standard vanilla product where those place prices are derived from the win price. So I think there's an angle there. And every now and then I'll go in and I'll um, I'll double two long shots together for top 20, maybe five to one. right Uh, Right. so you know you're looking at uh, 25 to 40 dollars back for each dollar invested if they can both place top 20 so you only need to be right twice a year to break even so that's something i'd like to do more of if i had more time but for me it's mainly about uh, outright win betting um my approach to that is sort of a three-pronged um i will uh I will back some players to win uh, on the betting exchange bet fair because I'll generally get a better price than with a bookmaker. Um, I'll back a a few guys each week um, in what's known as a back-to-lay context where I will back them at uh, 200, 300, 500, 1,000 to one and look to trade out if they can get on the leaderboard at some point during the tournament. So if I can back them at 400 and lay them at 80, then I'm happy to do that. Quintuple my money, gone. Don't worry about whether they win or not. Um, But that's probably 25% of my betting. The other 75% is um, each way doubles. And I do that across pretty much every tournament that's available every week, sometimes as many as eight. Um, which is the reason for having all of this uh, form database across all tours and all their secondary and tertiary tours as well, is just to try and create that little bit of edge where a player who's coming up might be priced 100 to 1 by the bookmakers, and I think uh, he or she may be uh, 40 or 50 to 1 shot. Then I throw all those sorts of players together in cross doubles across three, five, seven, eight tournaments with the each way component paying five places or six or seven or eight, depending on which bookmaker. Um, so using that approach, if I can get two of them to place in a week, uh, that'll pay for three weeks, maybe four weeks' worth of bets. And, um, and of course, uh, one or two or three times a year, you get win-win. Uh, and these are all at odds of, uh, like, 50 to one and longer. Uh right. So you can really hit the bookies and then they restrict or close your account and you have to find a, another avenue to bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a struggle here as, as the, as the United States starts to, uh, you know, legalize this in certain States. Um, it, the, the limiting has been, has been, a uh, uh, they, they're not shy about limiting accounts for sure. Um, so and we the 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 main difference is like I wish I had I wish we had a book uh, that could that could do each ways but I I don't think any of the books that I that I bet uh, actually have that available um, but that would that would certainly be nice so so it seems to me like for for the most part you you're just splitting your money uh, splitting your money there uh, not really. Not really dabbling in any of the head-to-head markets, um, or or doing anything like that. Do you ever play, uh, you know, place bets on like the the top, you know, top American or or you know the nationality bets, or do any of those prop type things, or do you even do you not even price those?
2: Uh, it's very rare. I uh, I price the nationality ones when there's a major um, uh-huh. uh, where I know there'll be decent liquidity on the betting exchange. Um, but I do that really just so that I can lay bets rather than place bets, if, right. if you can see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a sideline. It's very much a sideline. The, the mainstream thing for me is trying to maintain avenues to bet. I mean, i barely put a bet through an account in my own name for about eight or nine years. Um, <laughs> and I've almost run out of friends and, uh, and relatives Bet365 even shut down my 80-year-old mother's account a few years <laughs> ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the hardest thing for me is actually getting bets on. And probably when I talk about it publicly like this, it may make it even harder. Um, we should have I blurred out your
1: face, out. you know.
2: <laughs> oh, it's just the pattern, you know. But I'm relying on the fact that most bookmakers never look at their um, sort of parlay multi-betting. Um, They tend to focus on singles when it comes to analysis. Uh, So you don't come to their attention until you win a large amount of money. And sometimes they let it go, just put it down to chance. Uh, Sometimes they'll just shut you down straight away. Um, So what I do is if I'm doing my each way doubles and I want to do it for $3 a double, I may do that 12 times in units of 25 cents across three or five or seven bookmakers. Which is sad, um, but it's the world we live in. Um, and the the major bookmakers are all run by grey bean counters these days, and most of the bookmakers <laughs> are frightened to take a stand on anything because they have to defend themselves to the bean counters on Monday. Um, so, and they only want clients who lose money. They don't want clients who win money. Um, so it's very simple for the accountants. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I had some influence on running bookmaking companies, we almost encouraged the really smartest guys to bet with us on every sport so that we could get their knowledge early in the betting cycle, adjust our prices accordingly, and attract money for the other side of the equation from, uh, from our mainstream um, recreational gamblers. Um, but these days, the the books, uh, they really just want to exclude that knowledge and exclude anybody you might have access to.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like that would probably be the best way to, you know, to to keep the keep the money coming in, get get some good info and uh, and make the fish pay for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds
2: cruel, but um, the fish, who are probably 95 to 97% of all gamblers, lose money every year anyway. So right. what the hell?
1: Yeah, exactly. They're going to find a way to lose it one way or another. So.
2: Yeah, and if books exclude people, who might be a little bit smart. Um, that money will find its way back into books, but it'll be anonymous. So right. the books have, have lost that connection and lost that IP. I think they're stupid.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I don't think anybody would disagree with you, uh, at least from you know from this side of the, the betting counter. Um all right, so let's uh let's run through a couple is is there somebody actually I again I didn't throw this on the show sheet, but to to what extent are you are you tracking um you know markets? Are you seeing are, are you checking odds? you know, every, every day, every 12 hours, do you have uh, like some sort of uh, system where you're seeing how lines move throughout the week? Um, like how much attention do you pay to that?
2: Um, pretty much none. Okay. I try and um, have all my work done by Monday morning. Uh, then the odds come out um, and I'll generally bet soon thereafter except on the exchange where I'll wait till much closer to tee-off when there's more liquidity. Right. Um, but really all the work I do is based on um, trying to get some bets on on a Monday um, before more and more information comes out and more and more market trends become obvious and certain players get their prices cut. Uh, I just want to try and hit as early as possible. I'm a bit hamstrung because I'm wanting to do doubles and some – Lesser tournaments aren't priced up by the bookmakers until Tuesday. Um, but, you know, do the best I can. But I don't take any notice of uh, market moves probably after Monday.
1: Right. So, right. so, so all so things being I equal, equal you'd rather you'd rather place a bet, you know, 15 minutes after the, the lines are posted than anything else.
2: Uh, yes, just provided the lines are there for the tournaments that I want to right. uh, bet on, which is the challenge. So quite often I'll double PGA with euro on Monday and then I'll double PGA with euro with Japan with South Africa with Asia with ladies european on Tuesday. Right. Uh, but at very small stakes, very spread around. Right.
1: So who who on tour right now um or maybe maybe the answer to this is somebody lesser known but who do you think has uh, has made you the most money?
2: It's hard to name an individual player because all of my big collects have been doubles, right. and I don't think I don't think any player has been in two of them. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Poom Saxonson from Thailand, who no one will have ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's any individual player. All of my best collects have been where I've had four or five dollars worth of 100 to 1 with 100 to 1 which is like 10,000 to 1 odds. So I'm getting back 45 50 55,000. That's happened quite a few times but a whole bunch of different players. <laughs> yeah, and that's- I actually I actually tend to remember the losses and the and the bad beats much more than the wins.
1: So yeah, so hit hit us with uh, with one of your one of your bad beat stories then
2: how long have you got (laughs) okay thomas bjorn um open championship maybe 2003 um i had a hundred dollars on him at uh, 50 to one i think it was um and then i i went back and had a hundred dollars each way at 50 to one um and then on the betting exchange he was a bit more maybe 60. I had a couple of hundred to win on him on the exchange with a view to trading it. And then I took a bunch of win doubles with him, Uh, maybe 300 win doubles with players in other tournaments. Anyway, he's leading, and he he goes in the bunker on the 16th hole. Uh, He's leading by, I think, two shots or three shots. Uh, He had two shots in the bunker, double bogey, (laughs) bogey the next just got beaten that one and i think dustin johnson in the us open at uh, pebble beach uh well, quite a while ago now maybe eight or nine years ago i backed him at 80 to one before the tournament and i backed him a few times during the tournament he was leading by three strokes i think going into the last round and shot 80.
1: uh well we're, we're, fat- we're familiar with bj shooting 80 these days <laughs> <laughs>
2: Actually, he did three in a row recently, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: <laughs> yeah he's been um, he's been my. I don't like to bet on shorter prices, um, but particularly when he was coming up in his mid twenties, I followed him right through from I think he, he qualified in the last PGA Tour Q School about 2011 or 2012, and I followed him pretty closely. And there are so many tournaments that he should have won, or he should have spanked their asses by six <laughs> strokes and just didn't
1: yep so he's been
2: he's been the most frustrating guy for me over the past 10 or 15 years by a long way
1: yeah and you you also just mentioned something that i that i meant to ask you about earlier um where is there like a cutoff uh as far as outright odds where you're just like completely there's no shot no matter what the no matter what what the software spits out I am. I'm not backing anybody at this price. Is there like? Is there a, a hard cutoff there?
2: Uh, well, I work to a range. Um, generally speaking, it's fifty to one to two hundred and fifty to one. Uh, that's my prices. Uh, but my two hundred to one could be a thousand to one with a bookmaker. So I might look twice at that. Right. Um, for the ladies' events and the seniors, um, it's a, the range is sort of lowered. I'll go down as low as twenty-five to one, and I won't really go over about one hundred and twenty-five to one because there are much fewer people in the ladies' events and the seniors who can win, right. as compared yeah. with say Corn Ferry or um, PGA Tour or European Tour. Um, but yeah, generally I'm, I'm wanting to take guys who are fifty to one or longer, uh, and where the bookmakers are uh, seventy-five hundred
1: to one or longer. And then, just to uh, to close out, I, again, I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time tonight over there. You know, this afternoon for me. Um, if it, I'm sure, you see a ton of a ton of betting content. Uh, you know, cross your cross your feed, and and you know, sort of make its way uh, in into your into your general area. Um, what's like? A, what's a big mistake that you see uh, that you see people making? Uh, That you think would be sort of an easy fix.
2: Well, the immediate thing that sprang to mind is that all of social media is about vanity. Um, So a lot of a lot of what people, at least in the golf sphere, post is is purely about vanity. And there's a lot of a lot of people who will mention or put on the screen. 20 players you know these are my big bets these are my long shots these are my bombs these are my top tens my top 20s so you know I, I tend to think that's <clears throat> not driven by a professional gambling approach but more by a, um, a social media vanity approach mm-hmm. So that they can come back online during the tournament or afterwards and say hey look I had that guy in my uh, in my lineup Um. So, But in terms of mistakes, I think the the biggest thing that I saw as a manager of betting companies, I've been a CEO of five and I've professionally consulted to nearly 30. Um, The biggest thing I noticed across all sports is the gamblers who go broke the quickest are the ones who uh, spend the most money backing favourites. So I would discourage people from backing favourites in any sport um, and particularly in golf. Uh, in a football match where there's only maybe three outcomes or a horse race where there's there's eight or ten uh, horses, you compare that with 156 horse field in golf. Right. Right. Um, there's so many different ways the favourites can get beaten. So just as general rule of thumb, I'd say forget about the favourites. If I can get a guy at uh, 100 to 1 who places... My price is 25 to one for him finishing sixth or fourth or second. Um, That's much less of a sweat than uh, Brooks or uh, Rory or JT at 12 to one to win and pays pays twice as much. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my philosophy, and that's why my doubles include all the longer shots.
1: You know, I I think that makes a ton of sense. I I just, through my process of, you know, just – whether it's being a golf fan since I was younger or, uh, you know, now building out these, these simulators and these models, you just see how, how truly difficult it is for any one golfer to, to win, you know, even one tournament, let alone, you know, come from everybody thinking that they're going to win and actually pulling through. So, uh, I think that's, I think that's definitely important. And like cashing, a cashing an 11 to one, Justin Thomas ticket is not quite as, uh, quite as appealing as hitting one of these, you know, Michael Thompson bombs from last week or something like that.
2: Oh, absolutely. As long as you can be patient enough to wait for the wind to come along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I bet each way, because uh, if the winds don't come along, you can still make enough money just from the place-place doubles uh, to keep you going without uh, needing to uh, restock your bidding bank. Yeah. which i hate doing i really hate
1: that yeah having to uh having to redeposit or you know uh you know sending money to your your 80 year old mother or whatever (laughs) right
2: (laughs) i just used a credit card
1: (laughs) all right well mike i i really appreciate your time again um if you are uh if you're in the market for, uh, you know, tracking form, especially, I mean, for some of these other tours, um, the information is super hard to come by. Uh, so it's definitely, definitely worthwhile to uh, check out Um, and follow Mike on Twitter at Smart Golf Bets. Uh, again, I really appreciate the time, Mike. Thanks for joining me
2: hey thanks for having me on matt and putting me in uh, such esteemed company as the other two guys you're talking to this week <laughs> i got a lot of respect for both of them
1: yeah it's gonna it's a uh, th- this is a good little series i'm glad i i got these three yeses for sure okay thanks a lot man thanks again mike all the best see ya